Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast for Wednesday, April 15th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined today on the show by D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlantic Journal-Constitution. First of all, D. Orlando, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, Caroline. Uh, working on our um, pre-draft series and uh, uh, just finished the safety story. And, uh, you know, so then I think I just got the special teams and the cornerbacks left. And so... Uh, we've been doing it's been good to be working during this time, uh, during the 12 part series, looking at all the positions. So, uh, that's been, uh, uh, you know, kind of fun to do to get ready for the draft. It's good to be working right now, that is for sure, and good to have some sports to focus on right now. Now, dear Orlando, we haven't met before, this is our first time meeting on a Zoom call, so hopefully, you can be a good sport about this. But I need your thoughts on the Panthers video when they were mocking the Falcons jersey looking like the longest yard jerseys. I found, I found myself uh, going back to that video throughout the day. When I needed a laugh, I would just go on back to that because uh, I had already said, hey, this looks like the uh, mean machine <laughs> and uh, some of them. But, yeah, the Panthers uh, uh, got a good shot in at the Falcons, and uh, uh, it was pretty funny uh, how they did it with the guy just laughing and, uh, you know, uh, then showing the cuts of the bean machine jersey and then the Falcon jersey. So, <laughs> they had a good time with that. Yeah, it was pretty good. Now, tell us how you started at the Atlantic Journal-Constitution, how long you've been there, and kind of your background with the Falcons. Yeah, I've been here since uh, uh, 2003. I started out in high schools in Gwinnett, and then uh, uh, was the SEC-ACC guy, uh, covered the undefeated Auburn team, then went to the Falcons beat in 05 uh, during the playoffs. Um, I had previously covered uh, the Bengals in Cincinnati and the Packers during the 90s in, uh, in Green Bay for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, so, and in Cincinnati for the Enquirer. So, you know, it was a good thing to get back to football and, uh, you know, started covering the Falcons, uh, uh, you know, helping with Steve Weish in 06 and 07, and he left to go to NFL Network, and uh, I've been a beat writer myself since uh, 2008, so. Um, that was that would cover the end of Jim Mora, the uh, one year of uh, the, the Bobby Petrino year, and uh, of course the Michael Vick dogfighting trial. Then Coach Smith and uh, Coach Smith, and then uh, now Coach uh, Dan Quinn. Now, did you tune into the Saints rebirth game the other day, or was that something that that you didn't mark on your calendar necessarily? No, I took a pass on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, didn't really need to go into that. <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I, I mean, wish y'all the best. And I know the Falcons did some alternative program in there, uh, showing their uh, NFC Championship game. I checked, I checked on the tweets on that. But I, I checked on Twitter. Some of my good friends are, you know, from New Orleans. So Stan Verrett was having a great time with mm-hmm. that. And uh, I saw a lot of the tweets. Well, good. Uh, now, dear Orlando, I want you, since you're the expert on the Falcons, can you give Saints fans who might not know everything that the Falcons have done? Obviously, the addition of Todd Gurley was huge for the Falcons, but can you give us a little bit of a snapshot of the things that the Falcons did, players they've they've lost to other teams and the players they've gained? Yeah, um, we'll start on offense. Offensively, you know, it was Freeman for Gurley over there. Uh, they And also, um, 
uh, Austin Hooper for Hayden Hurst. Those were two big moves on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they, they, they up against the salary cap, uh, didn't like how Freeman was producing, got Gurley in on a cheap deal, and uh, traded a second-round pick to get Hayden Hurst. But, you know, they have him at a low salary. They couldn't pay the $10 million a year that uh, Austin Hooper was worth. You know, they developed him as a third-round pick. And uh, when the four years were up, they couldn't pay him because they had already paid Matt Ryan, Grady Jarrett, uh, Deion Jones, and uh, Keanu Neal. Or Keanu Allen got paid, but Ricardo Allen. So offensively, they, they, um, they didn't touch their main uh, area of concern, the offensive line. They, uh, you know, got the same guys there. They think, you know, the rookies, uh, uh, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry on the right side, right tackle, right guard are going to be fine. Alex Max, 35. Uh, they had a problem with a revolving door at left guard. And then the uh, left tackle, Jake Matthews, didn't look that good last year. Um, didn't, you know, play at a Pro Bowl level. So the line is still an issue. On the defensive side of free agency, they lost up front. They lost people on all levels at the defense. Uh, <clears throat> up front, Vic Beasley, Adrian Claiborne, and Jack Crawford. Uh, and, uh, you know, they got Dante Fowler in free agency. So that will replace Beasley. Uh, in the linebacking court, they lost to Vondre Campbell, former fourth-round pick, their leading tackler the last two years. They think they have his replacement in Fourier Ulikan a uh, third-year player from Yale who's played a lot uh, next to Deion Jones. So they think they're okay there. Now, in the secondary, they lost um, Desmond Trufant, uh, you know, their top cornerback. They let him go in free agency. So I'm thinking uh, they needed some of his money for something else or uh, or uh, just didn't, uh, you, know, you know, wanted to get cheaper at that position. So he went to Detroit and got pretty much the same deal. So Nobody saw a drop-off in his play. So on those three levels, they, they replaced the uh, Beasley, which, you know, he uh, uh, you know, failed to produce as a pass rusher over the course of his career, had the one big season. And then, uh, you know, they think they replaced the linebacker. They got to get some more meat in the uh, middle of the defense with Crawford and Claiborne going. Those guys were reserves. Uh, but those three guys have played 1,656 snaps last year. So, uh, you know, and you only brought in Fowler. So he can't play all of them snaps. So you got to get a couple more people there. Uh, veterans off of the veteran free agent scrap heap. Or, you know, you could really see them drafting a kid like Javon Kinlaw uh, from South Carolina. Uh, also, they revamped the special teams. The kicker's gone. Um, Matt Bryant, they replaced him mid-season last year with Young Way Koo. And the punter, Matt Bosher, for the last uh, eight years is gone. They, they got a couple guys in here. Uh, Ryan Allen finished out the season, and they brought in another kid, uh, Sam Irwin Hill, who uh, uh, punted at uh, Arkansas from Australia. So, um, you know, that's where they're at with the roster heading into the draft. Uh, big issues, big areas in the cornerback, defensive line, and it looks like they're going to roll with this offensive line that gave up 50 sacks and 135 quarterback hits last year. Now, I have to ask you, losing a tight end like Austin Hooper, that's, that's a big loss to the offense, even though you have so many offensive weapons, you know, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan. Um, but bringing in a guy like Hayden Hurst, 
how does that fit? How does he fit into the offense for the Falcons? Well, they like Hayden. Um, yeah, you know, Hooper, of course, yeah, caught over 70 balls last year. But they were looking at Hayden Hurst coming out two years ago. Uh, but the uh, Ravens took him one pick in front of him, and they took Calvin Ridley. So uh, skill set-wise, I did a tale of the tape. The folks can Google um, Hooper versus Hurst tale of the tape, and it'll give you their measurables uh, from the combine, their 40-time height and weight and everything. Uh, but, but Hurst is a little bit faster and can run up the field, which, uh, you know, Hooper didn't do much. He mostly ran underneath routes off of Julio Jones and then Ridley. And, uh, you know, he was open because the other guys had double cover. So he's got a lot of check downs, a lot of dump offs. Nothing that really hurt anybody other than, you know, you know moving the chains occasionally. Uh, wasn't a real terror in the red zone. So, uh, you know, but, but a good player. So, so they're hoping Hurst could be at least that because he, uh, he lost his job in Baltimore or couldn't win the job from uh, Mark Andrews, who was a fourth-round pick in the same draft. Um, and so, uh, you know, he was hurt earlier on in his career and never made it up. But he's going to get every chance to, to be what they thought he could be uh, here in Atlanta. Now, as we, as we shift over to the draft, you mentioned in one of your columns that the draft needs for the Falcons is defensive line help, a cornerback, left guard, and a backup swing tackle. Now, the Falcons right now are set to pick at number 16, but the Falcons have made five first-round trades during Dimitrov's 12-year tenure. So you saw a report earlier today that they might be in a position to move up. What position do you see them moving up to get? Well, if they, they – I don't think they need to move up, but they apparently have better intel than I do. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, it's the way it usually works, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I got I got uh, C.J. Henderson slipping to him at 16. So, but I, obviously they're talking to people in the league, and so somebody in between nine and 15 wants a cornerback too, and I haven't figured out who that is. But um, I figured out who they try to trade up with. That's David Caldwell in Jacksonville. That's his. Uh, he trades with his buddies, and I kind of know them by now. Uh, you know, he goes to Seattle. Uh, you know, Denver is one of the teams that they'll trade with. Um, uh, the uh, Les Snead is his main buddy with the Rams, but I think the Rams are behind him this year. So uh, those are, you know, those are some of the peak places to look. So Denver and Jacksonville is in front of him. Uh, he has some New England people in Detroit, but I don't think they're going all the way up to get a Kunda. If they did, that would that would certainly ignite the fan base. The uh, really big move would be to go get uh, Chase Young. That would really excite the fan base. But we um, we don't believe that it's a big move up. But we think more of the moderate move is in play to get Henderson. Yeah, I mean you have to be happy with. Um the offense right now for the Falcons, right? It seems like most of the moves that they'll need to make in the draft are going to be on the defensive side of the ball. And Dimitrov ranked free agency for the Falcons a C minus. So, uh, you know, I, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but essential moves for um, the Falcons in the remainder of the off season that they just have to address before the season starts, because you don't want to just be strictly focused on the offense. Need a defense. That's I know that one rule of football is that you need a defense. <laughs> oh, yeah, no question about it. But they've done it absolutely the opposite way. Uh, you know, they try to pattern this after the Colts, 
where, uh, you know, they're going to be ahead and then they can get their smallish uh, pass rushers up the field and attack you. Mm-hmm. Now, that happened in 16. They got to the Super Bowl with that. But uh, it hasn't happened the last couple of years. So teams have been able to really take it to that defense. The offense is sputtered about because they haven't fixed the offensive line. Uh, you know, Mac is older. Uh, when Chris Chester left, they didn't replace him. Maybe the Lindstrom kid's going to be some pretty good. The uh, right tackle, uh, Caleb McGarry, uh, led the league in sacks allowed, 13. So he's, But he looks good in the run game, they say. And uh, some of my people dispute that. But they like him. So he's going to be their right tackle. At right guard, uh, you got James Carpenter, a veteran from Alabama, former first-round pick, was hurt a lot last year. Uh, Jake Matthews dipped a little bit. So if they can't score points and keep that defense off the field, uh, you know, that's how they've tried to win. So uh, if they can't do that, they can't block, then uh, that defense is, uh, you know, going to be exposed. And we've seen uh, – you've seen a lot of the Saints comebacks uh, <laughs> in the fourth quarter and Sean outfoxing them. We saw – well, Dion had a big one here a couple years ago where he got the interception in the end zone to stop the Saints. Uh, during, uh, you know, what looked like, you know, the march to the NFC title game that year. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I know they, um, they've they had a lot of battles over the years, and uh, uh, Coach Sean's done a great job since he's taken over down there. Just a few. Now, a, a huge addition for the Falcons was Todd Gurley. It was talked about a lot. Uh, hopefully he gets paid at some point by the Rams. I know that yeah, was a funny. He wants, <laughs> <wants> his money. <laughs> um, what areas do you see Gurley succeeding in areas that maybe Freeman lacked a little bit? Well, I talked to uh, Freeman's coach, um, you know, the former Falcons running back coach, uh, Bobby Turner, you know, I don't know why he's not in the assistant coaches Hall of Fame if there is one, but he needs to be there. Uh, you know, he's, you know, created running thousand yard running backs from, you know, coach Mike Shanahan's days all throughout time. And um, uh, in Denver and in the Rams, in Cleveland, and here in Atlanta, now they're in San Francisco doing the same thing with a uh, little Shanahan. But um, coach Turner told me, hey, the main job of the running back is to get back to the line of scrimmage. You know, so no dancing. And you don't see Todd Gurley doing any dancing. So uh, he's going to follow that rule. He's going to get back to the line of scrimmage. That might help the line because Freeman might have been dancing, guessing, and looking uh, as opposed to putting that one foot in the ground and going. And Gurley's got to do it like that now because, you know, he's got the one knee that uh, – has been problematic for him here over the last couple of years, but he thinks he's fine, and uh, uh, the Falcons thinks he can uh, can recapture his glory of a couple of years ago. But um, you know that is yet to be seen. But if he can just get the ball and go and hit the line of scrimmage, um, that'll be great. Uh, now I do, I do have a question for you. If let's let's play this out. If the Saints and the Falcons were to lace up right now today. Who would you take? Uh, right Honest now, answers only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I, I take the Saints. They won three of the last division titles. Uh, they are, um, you know, Drew Brees came back. Teddy, Teddy left. I don't uh, get the whole Tyson. I love the Tyson Hill uh, videos of his uh, accurate passing at BYU. <laughs> Him talking about he wants to be the quarterback. I think everybody would go for that. 
Uh, but yeah, you know, the, 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 um, thanks to uh, Mike Thomas and, you know, his, I don't see who would guard Mike Thomas that they play right now. And so. Emmanuel Sanders right now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, so that might that might not be. Oh, come on, come that on, dear Orlando. And Dion usually shuts down Kamara. That's usually why the games are so close. So, uh, All you right. take Kamara and light him up a couple times. He's not the same guy, but I still would take the Saints right now because I don't know how you cover Mike Thomas, and um, I still don't know how you block Cam Jordan. All right, I'm going to hold you to that answer. I'm going to hold you to that, and I'm going to remind you when they face up each other against each other two times this season. Uh, dear Orlando, last question before I let you go, or last football question before I let you go. The Falcons front office, what are their draft plans? What have they talked about doing for the draft? Are they going to be in a central location? Are they going to Zoom call each other? What, what's the plan right now? Yeah, it's uh, five or six of them that will be involved in the kind of inner sanctum ball uh, uh, um, war room. The GM, the coach, the director of scouting, the director of pro personnel, uh, the president, Rich McKay, and then, of course, the owner, <laughs> Arthur Blake. He's a little bit more involved, I think, than people, uh, you know, know. Uh, Dimitrov said normally it's 40 or 50 people in the Falcons war room which is too much. I mean, that's too many chefs trying to make the uh, food there. Uh, but uh, he said New England's just about 10 to 12. So, but I think they, you know, like to feel like they're part of it, you know, probably offer their opinions and stuff. And um, probably uh, probably the, the, the GM's probably happy. He'll be at his house. They'll be at their house. Uh, they can play like they can't hear him. Oh, <laughs> connection, we're going this way. Uh, so I'm thinking they might like the virtual draft. I would like if I got to sit there with my boss and 45 people. I mean, like Judge Hackett's in the room, you know, all these people that are shareholders and uh, friends that are owner. I'm like, no, nah, I'd rather be at home doing the draft. So they won't say that, but I think that's how the draft's going down this year for them is that, uh, you know, those that five or six groups going to be working together. Uh, they've got their communication system set up. Uh, they've been using Teams when they conference with us, but uh, I think they've been doing Zoom with other folks and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, FaceTime and Skype. All right, two more questions for you, dear Orlando, and they're not football related. So during COVID-19, there's a lot of negative outlooks right now. There's a lot of things to complain about. Uh, first question, one positive thing to take away from this time that you've been working at home. Second question, so that you can think about it, uh, food that you keep around the house now that you probably didn't before. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, positive thing now is, uh, you know, spending uh, time with the family and uh, making up stuff, you know, like we're going to the movies tonight, which is really just be on the other side, <laughs> other side of the um, basement. Uh, to watch uh, watch a movie, we'll figure that out and put it on the projector and have popcorn. So I you love know, that little stuff like that. And then the food that's in the house that shouldn't be here. Is, <laughs> I've been I've been taking to baking brownies. <laughs> so uh, nobody everybody's on a diet. So they they were, they were like, here, take your brownies and go to the basement. You know so. Um, I, I got one more box of brownies, so um, I'll probably cook some today, and uh, then I'll, uh, you know, 
Well, we get, we're getting stuff delivered to the house. We're not even trying to go to the store because you think, so, oh, I need some eggs. You normally just run out, but now we're uh, trying to place and plan meals. And, uh, but the brownies are something that got me through Tiger King. And um, <laughs> we got the last episode of Ozarks tonight. It is a good one. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but it is a good one. I wish we could all agree worldwide that we're just going to come out of this maybe 10, 15 pounds heavier than we went into it. I wish we could just all decide that so that, you know, we don't have a hierarchy of people who dieted during this and succeeded and people who dieted and didn't succeed. I wish we could just all agree that we're going to gain 10 to 15 pounds. Yeah, I'm not trying to go there. I don't really <laughs> need that, but, uh, I got the treadmill here. I've been doing that. Uh, been moving about, uh, you know, putting on the mask and walking the subdivision. But uh, but I'm negating that by getting the brownies. So. <laughs> balance, <laughs> balance. Put my place, I'll be okay. I don't need the extra 10, 15, but if I hold, I'll be fine. <laughs> Good. Well, D. Orlando, we appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the New Orleans Saints podcast. And I uh, wish you well during the rest of this. And uh, good luck in your draft coverage. Well, thank you, Carolina. Thanks for having me. Uh, the Saints fans really know how to get after it, and it's a pleasure coming on and talking a little uh, Falcon Saints football with you. Of course. All right, thanks to D. Orlando for joining me on today's show. We will have another edition of the NFC South draft preview on Friday uh, with the Carolina Panthers, so you don't want to miss that. And uh, we will continue to keep you occupied on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app. Today, head coach Sean Payton interviews Jimmy Buffett. You don't want to miss that on Home Team TV. That is available right now on NewOrleansSaints.com and, of course, the Saints app. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Be sure to tune in on Friday and have a great day, everyone.